0: Tonight, if you would turn to the uh, Acts, we're going to continue in this book of Acts, and I almost, I, I debated going past this first section of chapter 9, but it's its too powerful. We got to see it tonight. It's when Saul uh, gets met at that road to Damascus by the Lord, and we see, we see the greatest transformation in church history probably in this man's life right here. And tonight, there's two things that we're going to be able to see, uh, Lord willing, is that we're going to be able to see two things. In our lives, we can see that God has a plan that He's working. God wants to do things that we don't even imagine. God wants to completely transform us. God has a, a work that He wants to do in our lives. And if we just surrender to Him and let Him do it. And also, it encourages us when we read this, is that when we have people who are lost, and it looks like the impossible, it looks like the impossible... We can come to this and say, well, Lord, if you can save this man, if you can do something in this man's life, well, this is easy for you. Amen? So if you've got, uh, we're going to look at verse 1 through 9, then I'm going to read 17 and 18. If you've got that tonight, if you'd stand with me for the reading of the Word of God in chapter 9, and it says, And Saul, yet breathing out Threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest, and desiring of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were women or men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice But seeing no man and Saul arose from the earth and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there and he was three days without sight and neither did eat nor drink. Drop down to verse 17. And it says, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, talking about Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou comest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost, and immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. Tonight we're going to look at the title, Transformed from Rejection to Redeemed transformed from rejection of the things of God to redeem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that this is what you want to do in every life. God, you want to take those that, Lord, have rejected you. You want to take those that, God, that uh, that wants to push you off. Lord, those that says, I want to do my own thing. Those people that we've been praying for. Those that we, Lord, it seems like it's such a hard thing. Lord, you're able to do more than we can even imagine or think. Lord, it's easy for you and the moving of your spirit. You want to transform. You love us. You want to work in lives and God I pray that you would do it you would encourage us to see that you're wanting to do it and God that we would pray with more fervency and God we'd see to what you're trying to do and you would work and you would show us that God praise would come forth as you transform lives and we thank you for it in Jesus name amen amen transformed from rejection to the redeemed this is uh this these last few chapters we've been going on and in fact if you look at the Word of God, probably back in chapter 5 or 6, it leaves it Saul after the death of Stephen, something happens. We're going to look at that in a minute. Something happens to Saul. And he is just driven. He is so angry. He is driven to wipe the name of Jesus off the face of the earth. And so it says that he's wreaking havoc on Jerusalem. And that word we looked at and it showed it's like a wild boar just ripping everything in sight, just crazy running and and doing damage and that's what picture it shows and it leaves him all of a sudden it shows him go off and he's doing damage and then it switches to the church and the church is now going out to all the world preaching the gospel and then it switches the picture to Samaria and Philip goes forth and we've covered that two weeks ago the revival that's going on in Samaria and then last week it shows Philip again Philip is coming down and he's the Lord's called him down to minister to this Ethiopian eunuch, and we see that he is wondrously saved and he is baptized and then he goes back and to preach the gospel uh, back to Ethiopia. So we see all this revival going on and the move of God going on, and in chapter nine, it switches back. It switches back. In fact, some translation says the first word instead of and, it's meanwhile. It's saying, while all this is going on, let me tell you what's going on with Saul. And we see that he's still doing what he was doing before. It says, and Saul, and it talks about the uh, the, the destructive force that's going on. It says, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. That word slaughter means murder against the disciples of the Lord. Saul is totally, uh, uh, he has totally given himself over to hate. He has given himself over to uh, uh, to just destruction. And he's just so angry because of what he's seen. And, 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 it, and it just, it's, there's such a transformation in his life. But we see that he's getting ready to have a remarkable uh, uh, revelation. He's getting ready to be to have the most incredible change in his life. Little did he know, little did this high priest know when the hit man of the high priest was going forward. And I'm sure I can see the high priest saying, boy, we've got the man we need on the job. This man's going to wipe off this Christian element. We're not going to hear about it again. Look at all he's done. And we see that Paul's already went all over Jerusalem from door to door, knocking, trying to find people. And he uses this word. You'll see this in, in, in the book of Acts. And only here he keeps talking about if he finds some Someone in the way. He keeps calling these Christians the way. I got thinking about that. I couldn't find like, where does that come from? Where was he pulling it from? Somebody, it may be somewhere and I didn't find it, but I was thinking, well, Jesus did say, I am the way, the truth, the life. And so he is determined to stop. This proclamation of the name of Jesus. And so we see that he is making his way. And he's done so much damage. He's put so many people in prison. People are being killed because of what he's doing. He is driven. And we see. So tonight we're going to look at his life. We're going to see this transformation. And we're going to answer some questions. What can change a life from rejection to redemption? What changes that? Notice, all you got to do is look at your own life. What changed you? Well, what made a difference in your life? And we're gonna look at some things and see if there's some similarities here between what he did in your life. Let me tell you something. As we do this tonight, I want you to, to realize this is that God has a plan in your life. He wants to work in your life, but also realize this God has a plan for those ones, those people that we say it's impossible. Lord, if you don't do something, there is not a way. I don't see nothing happening in that life. I, that family member seems like they reject you. And, and the more I talk about you, the angrier they get. We're gonna see that sometimes that's exactly what happens right before the lie. That's what we see right before the move of God in these lives. So we're going to see what transforms. And first, we're going to see it's the preaching of Stephen had an impact. Now, how do I know that? It's not in this reference. There's a couple of things we're going to to look at and see. Is that the uh, reason we know that that preaching of Stephen impacted his life is that uh, Paul was, he was part of, he was, first of all, let's back up. He was raised at the feet of Gamaliel. He was the teacher of teachers as far as the, the law and, and, and as far as uh, instructing these uh, uh, people, the, the doctrines and of the church. And so he was like the teacher's teacher. And so this, he was raised up at the feet of this uh, uh, man. And so he felt like he was elite. He was on the Sanhedrin, which was like the, the Supreme Court of the uh, Jewish people. And he also was young. He was very zealous for the things. And so we see a difference happening. Here's here's where we see it. When Stephen was getting ready to be uh, uh, stoned, he didn't do anything. All he did was agree to it. He said, yes, you should do this. But he wasn't going to throw any stones. He was holding their coats. But something happened, and what happened, I believe, in in some of the writing that I can find, is something that happened. It must have been when he heard the testimony of Stephen. Now, Paul was a zealous guy toward the things of God. At least he thought he was. He was zealous toward the self-righteousness and the God that he was trying to do things to please. But he's seen someone had that more zeal for God than he did. He's seen someone whose testimony no doubt burned within him. He didn't understand it. When, when Stephen spoke, he was so full of the Holy Spirit, it says that his face glowed. His face became as a face of an angel, just as, as Moses' face glowed. These, all these people that were watching him, they had to admit, what is the difference in this man? Listen to what he's saying. The Holy Spirit is burning their hearts. And they're seeing the transformation, even the way he looks. What is the deal? It's the Holy Spirit that's speaking through him. And so there is no doubt his heart, Saul's heart didn't understand what was going on with conviction. And he was pricked in his heart. And in fact, we see the other men were pricked in their heart. And it said it tore them up so bad that they were gnashing with their teeth and they were, they were just furious. They didn't know what to do with it. And so he's feeling this, he knew something was different here. He knew this man was different, and it tore him all to pieces because it challenged everything he believed. Surely this man can't know what hes done. There's no way that can be true. I've been trained so many years doing this, In this way. is it, what's the difference in this guy? And the only way that people can get rid of that is they try to shut it up. They want to get it out of their sight. Listen, it, that's the only thing that can explain this. Look at, look at what goes on in today's generation. You look at wh- why do people hate Christians? I mean, Christians are the ones, real Christians, are the ones that saying the fruits of the Spirit. You know, what do we want? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We want to love everybody. We want to let you know that God's going to forgive you and we love you. And all of a sudden, we are polarized to the world. They hate that. Why? It is the total opposite of who they are. It doesn't. If if that's true, if before I can believe what you believe, before I can accept that, I've got to realize I'm a sinner. I've got to realize that I'm I'm under judgment of a holy God, and they don't want to accept it. And so there is a there is a total polar opposite rejection going on. Even in today, that's why you can say any name you want to say, but you can't say the name of Jesus. And so no doubt that that's something that just burned within Paul. Let me give you another proof. When, when Paul gets saved and he's preaching the gospel in a few chapters, you look at his first big message and he, almost, he quotes a big chunk of the same sermon that he heard Stephen preach. He repreaches the same thing that that had totally annihilated him, that had totally just caused him to just be furious because he couldn't accept it. And now he's preaching that same gospel. He heard every word he said, he heard it, and it transformed. So let me tell you something. That's why it's so important that you realize that the Word of God impacts people's life, whether they like it or not. The Word of God, it doesn't have to be just the preacher. Just you talking to your kids. You talking to that person about the things of God. And let me tell you what the Word of God says. And you will almost sometimes see that rejection. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Why? Because there has to be a reaction to that. If I believe it, I've got to react it. But let me tell you something. They do hear it it does make an impact they walk away trust me on this they walk away and their lives are changed i was watching if you ever get a chance let me let and i won't recommend too many things to watch but if you get to find see some stuff on maybe on youtube with ray comfort how many's ever heard of ray comfort he's an apologist for uh, uh that he goes out to all these he goes into Hollywood different places and he takes a microphone and he will and he is very good at presenting the gospel. See, we'll ask him questions about their life and what the word of God says and they mock him at first. They're laughing at him and do you do these certain sins? Why well, yeah, I do them and they're bragging about it. And they're saying, "Well, of course I watch those movies. Of course I say these things. Of course I do these activities." And then slowly he starts giving them, "Well, you know, the, so if the word of God says this, and he starts presenting what the gospel says, and says, well, so if, if you say that you have taken something from someone that wasn't yours, what does that make you? Well, it makes me a thief. And, and if you look at someone the wrong way, what does that make you? It makes me an adulterer. If you, if you tell something is isn't true, what, is that, what did you just mean that you were? Well, I guess I'm a liar. And he's, then he quotes and he tells them the Word of God says that, the, you know, that basically you're not going to have any part in hand. So he starts presenting the Word of God. All of a sudden you watch and their face starts transforming. They laugh at him at first. And some of them will never change. But I can tell you, if you watch some of that, you will realize, man, the power of the Word of God. People who look totally different than you. People that normally reject and mock the things of God. All of a sudden it starts sinking in their mind. And some of them will start, you can see the, you can see conviction just come right over their face. And they'll say, you know, you're making some really good points. Or, or they, they try to laugh it off and before it's over with tears in people's faces and stuff. So let me tell you something. The Word of God has an impact. So use it. And that, that's, the, that's the first thing that got a hold of Paul's life that transformed him from rejection to redeem. You know, the second thing, this is implied, but I, you, you'll, you'll believe this, is the prayer of the saints. Now, the word, now, what he does in this, these first two verses here, and he went to the chief or the high priest, and he requested of him letters to Damascus. Now, what is so unusual about this is Damascus is not even in Israel. It's 140 miles away. It's 140 miles north out of Israel. And he is so driven that he's no doubt hearing the word of God. This this Jesus, they're proclaiming him even in Damascus. And his desire is, I want to shut it up. I don't want it to get any further. I'm going to go to the farthest extent to stop it so it can't go any further. And so he is so driven to shut that voice up that's what's inside of him that he's trying to shut it out, even if it means going 140 miles. And that was a big trip for him to make. Let me tell you something. God knew exactly what he was doing. God knew exactly what he was doing. Now, we know if, 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 I were, if we were to find out tonight that the, the uh, let, me, let me ask you this question. If we were to find out tonight that the government was getting ready to make a decision tomorrow that churches couldn't proclaim the name of Jesus, what would we do tonight? What would be the number one thing that we would do in this service tonight? Would we just complain or make a fist? Or would we write some letters to our congressman? (laughs) Or would we get in here and start praying? And that's what what exactly. So we also see when the disciples were put in prison and they released, released them out of prison, what did they find the church? What had the church been doing? They had been praying. So let me tell you something. This is no doubt the second thing. I I didn't want to, I just, it's not in this verse, but let me tell you something. It happened. It was happening. The 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 Saul was attacking the people door to door. The, let me tell you something. The word got to Damascus. What he was getting, there was no telephone, there was no telegraph, there was no email or text messages. Someone found out what was going on, and before Saul could get there, someone ran way ahead, and already the word we're going to see that in a minute. They already had gotten the word. He's coming. And he's got letters, and he's coming door to door just like he did in Jerusalem. And you all, he's going to do the same thing. He's dragging men and women to jail. So we know the response was prayer. They were seeking God. Lord, you know, just like they prayed for those disciples and said, Lord, give us more boldness. God, let us speak speak your word. Let us us be faithful to you. And, And, Lord, move with your spirit and power and heal and move. All this stuff. They're doing the same thing. People, the church is praying. The church is seeking God's face. That's the answer. It's not being militant by trying to go against Congress and march to Washington. It's the church has got to learn to pray again. If we want to see God transform lives, if we want to see God transform our nation, it's going to involve a lot of prayer. It's going to see seeking His face. And so we see that the preaching is one of the tools used to change from rejection to redeem. And then with the prayers of the saints. Another one was we need to see is that the presence of a Savior. Thank God that the Lord comes to us when we are the least worthy. Thank God that He doesn't say, you've got to take steps toward me and then I'll come and deal with you. No, it seems like that when we are at our deepest point, when we are the farthest away from God, that he will start moving and stirring our hearts. I remember in my own life going through just, I've told you about this, just misery. I was just miserable. And and I just, I didn't even, you don't even know what's going on at first. You just know that you're thinking a lot more about your soul. You just know that stuff's going on. And and, and of course, it doesn't take long to figure out. You just feel miserable. You feel fearful. I was so afraid to die. I was so afraid that I would, when I go to sleep, that I wouldn't wake up. And if I did, I knew where I'd be. And I knew what I had walked away from. And so I was a miserable wretch. I would look at my, uh, my son. I was miserable. I'd look at my family situation and I knew I wasn't what I needed to be. I'd look at my habits. I was miserable. I would look at everything and I was miserable. And so God starts working in our lives. And then he comes, so he comes and he starts working and moving. Now, many of you won't have the same experience that he did, the Lord himself, but he's, his Holy Spirit, yes, is the one who comes and deals with us, with our hearts. It says uh, that in verse 4 and 5, we see this miraculous thing. He almost was, by the way, almost there. He was right outside the city, no doubt, very close. And it says, and, he, uh, and it's talking about the, the Spirit of the Lord. It says, and he fell on the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Listen, let me tell you something. Jesus didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? He said, Why are you persecuting me? That shows us that when we become children and part of the body of Christ, that He is we are in His body. We are part of His body. And when we are attacked, He feels it. He is part of that. He cares about you. He knows what you're going through. And so He gets a hold of him and He knocks him off that uh, horse or whatever. If he was walking, he fell to the ground. The light surrounded him. And what was amazing, if you look into it a little bit further, these other men, he, he didn't come alone. He, he brought the men that was going to help carry all these people back. He, brought, he probably brought some of the armed guard, you know, people that was going to bind them up, tie their hands behind their backs, and lead them back as a big testimony of, look what I'm doing to you are, that are part of the way, and he's going to lead them back. And so these men, and if you look at this, it actually is saying that they, they heard something but they didn't understand it. They heard a voice, but they didn't understand it. They didn't see it. They, didn't, they just heard a noise. They heard a voice and it didn't make sense to them, but he did because God got a hold of his heart and God brought him down. So the Lord thanked God that the Holy Spirit still moves today. Do you know the Holy Spirit is the thing, the very thing that gets a hold of the life? You can't do it. You do your part. You, you ask people to come. You ask those ones that you that uh, love and stuff. And sometimes we want to just really get serious with them, but we just let them know we're praying for them. We let them know, let me tell you something what the Word of God says. Or When are you going to come? Or you know if you would just, you know, the Lord loves you. Things like that. You say things to them. You do when as God opens the door, and then you let God take care of the rest because His Holy Spirit the thing that did the work is the Holy Spirit. The, the Lord himself was on that road and said to him, "What are you doing?" "What are you doing?" and he revealed himself to him and all of a sudden his life is totally 180 degrees. That he understood everything at that moment. This is the truth, the life. This is what I've been searching for. You know what else? This one is this one I love I love this one is The plans of God. You know what else transforms, what's wonderful about what transforms us from this sinner to the saint is the fact that God has, it's not an accident that you got saved. It it wasn't, well, thank God they showed up. No, God's been working on you for a long time. God does stuff in our lives way before, and God has plans for our life. You know what the biggest problem is? Many times we're not listening. We don't, we, don't, we don't listen to what God... God has got wondrous plans. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us about that. I know the plans and the you know, thoughts I have for you. I mean, thoughts to give you a purpose and, and to give you a peace and to give you a, a, an end, an expected end. But we see here that he talks about his plans for Saul, who will become Paul. And it says he's, he's talking to Ananias. These verses I didn't read. He's talking... Now, can you imagine how scared Ananias was? I mean Ananias is one of the disciples of the Lord, and he was one of the ones that was expecting to be one of the first houses he stops at probably because the Jews knew who the people were who believed in Jesus. They knew who they were. And they would have probably gave him a list. So yeah, Ananias is right around the corner. He's the first stop. And so he, he was probably number one. And so he's probably been praying. He'd been saying, Lord, you've got to protect us. We just got word from Joe. He just come from Jerusalem. And he said, uh, this Saul that we've heard is just rampaging the entire city and put thousands in jail and, or however many he did. And it's, uh, he's coming here next. Yeah. He's coming. And our, and our governor is going to hand us right over to him. And we're in trouble if you don't intervene. That's where those saints' prayers comes in. And we see that the Lord, all of a sudden, the Lord comes to him and says to him, (laughs) says, hey, I want you to go. I love this. I I love where uh, Saul, when he gets uh, led into the city because he's blind. And, and it's no coincidence that he's blind for three days. I mean, there's there's a lot of significance you could preach that. But he's blind for three days. And so he won't eat. He won't drink. He is just meditating, no doubt. And, it's, of course, we see that he's praying. It's going to tell that he's praying. So we see that uh, he doesn't know that. And all of a sudden, he gets the word that says, uh, tells Ananias, you need to go to Straight Street. Isn't that wonderful that it's Straight Street that he gets saved? Now, that's the house he's on. And it turns out to be, if you go inside the city of Damascus, the west gate, there's two streets that runs parallel from all the way across to the east gate and one of them is called Straight Street and he lived on that street and that's where Paul was and he says you need to go and lay hands and and, and so that he'll gain his sight and and so we see that Ananias is like Lord wait a minute wait a minute I already know this guy I've already heard just got the word did you get the memo Lord because I did I just got the memo he's on his way here and he's probably going to fool us and I'm paraphrasing he's just going to fool people and he's wanting to take us back and get his kills, what he's going to do, Lord. And so here's the Lord's answer. And then, uh, oh, well, this, this is when he's asking the question in verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. Lord, do you know what you're asking me to do? It's suicide. But here's the plan. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He's saying to him, yes, he is a murderer. Yes, he is an enemy of of Christianity but you don't understand. I don't look at people the way they are. I look at people the way they, I want them to be or how they can be if they surrender. I see potential. Thank God He's seen potential in me. Thank God He's seen potential in you. Thank God He sees potential in those that we're crying out for. He sees potential. You don't even see it sometimes. All you see is a hardened sinner sometimes. That person we pray for, all you see is that hardness. But God sees past that. He sees that he can touch them. And when he breaks them down with his spirit, that he sees that they can become a mighty, uh, uh, a powerful uh, 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 tool that he can use for the kingdom of God. If they'll just throw so that that encourages tonight. Even in our lives, you know, there's things that God maybe want to do right now, but we got to be willing and yielding and not say, "No, God." Moses, "No, God, do you not? You have any clue? I, I got all kinds of problems. I'm too old. I got a speech impediment. Get some. My brother, he's but anybody but me. I'll follow him. I'll say Amen. I'll be right behind him. Anybody but me. But the Lord says, "No, it's you. I got my hand on. I, I like to work through weakness. And so, whenever your excuses is to realize this tonight, God works through weakness." when when Paul later yeah, comes to him three times to God to, to, to move. And it's even, you know, they say it's possibly even his eyes, which we can see where that could have come from. I mean, he's got scales on his eyes. And this may be the very thing that reminds him where he came from. I mean, there's a possibility that that's what's going on, that he has an eye element that points back and says, remember where I brought you from. Remember who where you used to be. And if I got you from there to here, I can take you through this little problem. So we don't know that, but that's a good speculation. It very well could be the situation. But the Lord... Said, I got a plan for his life. He don't know it just yet, but I'm getting ready to do some mighty things in his life, and he'll do it. And so we can be encouraged to hang in there. God's got great plans, not only for your life, but even for those ones that seems to be hard. Let me give you another story. This is this is an incredible testimony, and this is this man is is such a. It's almost. Uh, unbelievable the transformation if you ever get to read his book or get to is lee strobel's anybody ever heard of lee strobel he wrote the he wrote the book called The, the case for christ and if you find out where he came from that's what's so amazing actually there's there's actually he's got a he made a movie and stuff that tells about his testimony this man's alive he was a investigative reporter for the chicago tribune and he was he was a devout atheist he did not believe in god whatsoever in fact him and his wife and they had a little daughter and they were devout atheists and they had agreed we are not going to believe in the things of God we're not raising our kids to believe in stuff like that and he believed in what he could see and so I'm probably I'm giving away the so you won't have to you won't have to try to Follow up on this. I'll give you the main points, but you it's worth seeing because it's an incredible testimony of the things of God. But he tells his story. He says, and, and, and so it, what happened was that the things when things starts transitioning is that they were eating at a restaurant and his little daughter uh, got choked and he couldn't save her and she she was basically dying. And then out of a corner came running a woman says, "I'm a nurse. I'm a nurse." let me help. And she took her out of his arms. She started doing the Heimlich maneuver and she coughed up. And at the last minute, she saved her. Well, once that happened, then the wife started talking to this nurse and she just made a comment. I'm so glad I listened to the Lord. She says, what do you mean? Says the Lord told me we were going to eat in another restaurant and the Lord told us to come to this one. And I didn't understand why. Now I understand why. Well, that, that just totally intrigued this wife. Well, without talking to him, long story short, she gets saved. She gets saved because she starts talking to this woman, having a relationship with this woman, and this woman leads her to Christ. Well, that did, oh, when 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 this husband, this story, you got to see how much of an atheist. He, when he found out, he was angry. He went he, he went the opposite direction. He, I mean, it looked like divorce in their family. It was an incredible thing because he loved her, but the changes in her he couldn't accept because he couldn't believe in something he couldn't see or put his hands on. Long story, he went through this point to where he was convinced that he was going to. Uh, he was going to prove to her that there was no God. That everything that she believed never happened. And so he goes through this long process of going to the top theologians, the top historian, the top medical doctor, talking about uh, the, the symptoms he had on the cross. Did he not really die? All these things. The end result. Let me help you get to the end. After months and months of doing investigative reporting like he did in his job, his end result was he, he had this mountain of evidence. He kept coming to ends and is like, no, that's not one that I wanted to hear. No, that's not. I was hoping he was going to tell me something different. I was hoping he's going to tell me that this could have happened this way. But when he got it done, he laid all the evidence out before him. And just like the many court cases that he'd been involved in and the court cases where he was against mob bosses and everything else, he laid the evidence down. And when he got done with it, he said, it would take taken a lot more uh, faith to not believe in God than to believe in God. And he realized that it was no other opportunity. There is no other chance that he didn't exist and that he wasn't real. And his end of his story is he comes into his wife. He gets her in the living room and he says, please help me pray. I don't know how to do this, but I want to accept him as my savior. Listen, what happened? The Lord transformed someone who was rejecting the things of God, who was, uh, 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 was totally, didn't want to believe. He rejected it, but he was able to transform a life because he was able to speak to him and to prove to him he existed and come to him. And he's seen the transformation in his wife. He's seen how he changes life. You know where, you know where this guy is? To, besides being an author, being a, a famous reporter, he's now a pastor. And so he he is able to uh, refute people who doesn't believe that God is real. Listen, God has plans in your life. God can take the hardest heart and he can transform that. If only we will let him quickly, two more. You know what else the, the that makes a difference in people's lives and transforms them is when they get saved is the palm of of a brother, the, the hand of a brother. It says in Acts 9 and 17 that when Ananias went his way and entered the house and putting his hands on him said, this is the first person to welcome him in. And he what does he call him? And he'd never heard this before. Brother Saul, brother Saul. This was the man he was most fearful of. This was the man who was running from God and didn't deserve. This is the man that probably put people in prison and killed people he knew. And yet he comes in with open hands and he touches him and he prays for him and he welcomes him into the kingdom of God. Welcoming people into the kingdom of God is so important for their transformation and we see that it is such an important thing even in today. When you get saved, you want someone to pull you into the family. Of God, They need to understand and understand that they are welcome. They need to understand that they are part of this body and so we need to be prepared for that. I know uh, uh, Linda and Wayne are not here today. They're watching all that but they're working on and I think it's such a wonderful thing working on a new believers packet of, of information in a Bible and some other things so that when someone gives their heart to the Lord here that we can reach out to them and we can give them something and try to plug them in and give them stuff so that we can let them know we care about you we love you we're you're now part of this body and the lord loves you and here's some things to encourage you because it's so hard these new believers need to know that they're loved and then finally and this one is so important in verse 18 we see the last one and by the way if you hadn't caught all those peas uh we see that the uh he was impacted by the preaching. The prayers, the presence, the plans, the palm, and finally the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says, And immediately when he laid his hands on him, there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. He was filled with that spirit overflowing. We see that he, he was, he was baptizing with water. But he was baptized with the Spirit. In fact, he was. He probably has some of the greatest writings in the Word of God talking about the Holy Spirit and teaches us the 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 gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. He even says, "I talk in uh, I talk in tongues more than you all." And he gives. He admonishes people when it's proper and when and, and and the place it has in the house of God and church. We realize that the power of the Holy Spirit is what made him so dynamic because we see that he said that. I don't rely on my teaching. I don't re- try to rely on my all the things, knowledge that I've gotten. I, I don't try to rely on those things. I just come and I'm just simply bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, Him crucified and risen again. That's all that I try to preach, and He was that's His mi- ministry, and He was so well. In fact, we're going to see the next time I, uh, next Wednesday that I preach, we're going to see that it's it says that He proved that Jesus Christ was the Son of God the Messiah, with the Word of God. He proved it. He pro- They wanted to kill him when he did it. They tried to kill him when he did it, but he proved it without a shadow of a doubt with the Word of God. How was he able to do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, totally transforming his life. To, so to, tonight, be encouraged. Be encouraged. I, I, I really, I just want you to realize that God's got His hand on you. God's got something He wants to do. There's people, I guarantee you, that's, that's in this little group, that God wants to do some things if we just listen. God puts a little thing in your heart, a little thing in your mind, and you just think, nah, that's probably, no. And very likely it's God, especially if it's something to do that will then cause people to, to be drawn toward Him. And so He puts things in your life. And for those ones, That when you pray, it's almost like you have to just almost shake your head when you pray. Like, Lord, can you save this one? Can you save this one? Let me tell you something. I want you to go back and this week read about Saul a few more times and realize there was no greater shock in the church. There was no greater. Let me say this. Is that close? Can you imagine the shock of the high priest (laughs) when he finds out that his secret weapon is now not only part of the way. But he's proclaiming the way. He becomes his greatest obstacle. He becomes his greatest enemy. And they set forth to kill him. They set forth to stop him. And he becomes a force the church had never known before. One of the greatest forces in the church. And it was all because of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. It's the same today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. His power never diminishes. His power never gets weaker It's just as powerful today. The problem is we don't uh, believe. We don't use it. We are fearful and we don't. It's not us doing the work, folks. It's not us. It's not us. All we do is make ourselves available and we say, Lord, you do the work. We're going to trust you to do the work and he'll do it. Won't he? Amen. Amen. If you could tonight stand and let's. Tonight, I, I, don't know wh- I don't know where you're at, and I don't know. Whoever those people is on your list, those people that you're praying for, and you've been praying for a long time, and, you, and, and the enemy says, give up. Uh, just, just, just accept it. Give up. No, don't do that. But this, this tonight, let's underline their names in our mind. And tonight, as we go to prayer, let's just thank Him that He loves us, that He came after us just like He came after Paul and that He's going to do the incredible work in these lives as we trust Him and put our confidence. Do we believe that He's going to move? Do we believe His Spirit can fall and, and, and deal with hearts? His Spirit, when it falls, it changes everything. Everything. The hardest heart melts when the presence of God falls. That's why in this nation right now, the presence of God, if it will fall, if we can see the presence of God moving in our churches again, if we can see the Spirit of God moving, it will melt the hearts of people. It will melt the hearts of people. It will not be us saying something the right way. It will not be a program when we start. It will not just be hugging everybody. It's going to be in a transforming move of the power of God when he falls. And so let's ask him that he would transform lives and thank him for what he's going to do. Lord, we come before you tonight. We thank you, Lord. Because it's true. You're a transforming, miracle-working God. And Lord, we put our confidence in You. And we thank You, Lord, that Your power. Lord, there's nothing that can withstand You. There's nothing that, Lord, has more power than You, Lord. There's nothing we do that You're not already aware of. And God, You already go before us. And You're already working. God, I pray that we have such a a faith in You, Lord, that rises up. And God, we desire Your Spirit and power to move. God, that our heart melts before You, God. God, that you pour out your spirit, Lord, in such a way that, Lord, our nation would be transformed, that, God, you would sweep this nation from east to west, from north to south, and, God, that you would start moving and breaking hearts down. God, there would be such a stirring. There would be such a calling out on You. There would be such a move of repentance. God, that we see Your mighty power, Lord. God, send down Your Spirit in this hour. God, start in our hearts. Meld us, God, that, Lord, we weep before You. God, that we crumble before You. God, that we feel, Lord, the melting start in our life, God, that we'll be able to trust You for others, God. Start in our own life, God, that we not just accept yesterday's experience, but, God, we get something fresh. We get something new. We get a desire for more of You, God. We need You, Lord. We need You, God. Break us down. Mold us, God. Meld us, God, before You, Lord. Let Your power move, God. We need You. And God, we're grateful and thankful that You have wondrous plans. God, You've not given up on us. You've not given up on our loved ones. You've not given up on our nation. But, oh God, You want to do a work, God, but will Your people trust You and seek You, Lord? God, let it be here. Let us trust you and believe you. And God, let us desire you like never before. God, that's what you want to do. Break the yoke. Break the yoke. Break the yoke, almighty God. Move Holy Spirit. Move in lives. Move in hearts. And God, we praise you and thank you tonight. We thank you for what you're doing. And we appreciate you and we love you. God, that you, Lord, you reached down and you found me. God, you reached down and got me, Lord, when you should have pushed me away. God, you should have just gave up, Lord. You should have just pushed me away. But God, Lord, all of us, Lord, with love and compassion, you reached down with mercy, God. And that's what you're doing with these that we're praying for. Mercy, mercy, mercy. God, thank you for your mercy. God, do a mighty work and we thank you for it. Almighty God, we thank you. Amen.